If you have your Bibles this morning, I want you to turn to two passages of Scripture. Uh, we, I, I like to do that. I like to read an Old Testament possible and a New Testament. We're going to look at an Old Testament. Old Testament passage of scripture, and we're going to look at a new. The Old Testament passage is found in Psalms chapter 27. Psalms chapter 27, verse 14. The New Testament passage is 1 Corinthians 9. We're going to turn that, to that in just a moment. But if you have your Bibles, if you don't have your Bibles, if you have your cell phone, however you choose to read your Bible this morning, I want you to stand with me. And if you're just reading out the wall, I want you to stand with me. We're going to stand as we read in honor of the Word of God. Psalms chapter 27, verse number 14. And the Bible says, wait on the Lord. Everyone say, wait. wait. Be of good courage, and he will strengthen you. Wait. Everyone say, wait. Wait, wait I say, on the Lord. Then 1 Corinthians chapter 9, verse number 24. Paul the Apostle, speaking to the church of Corinth. Church, great giftings, great move of God's spirit. People are being born again, saved. A lot of confusion. A lot of confusion about their role, their place. A lot of confusion about sexual, uh, uh, sexual relationships. and All kinds of confusion going on there. And Paul says this to the church. Don't you realize that in a race, everyone runs. But only one person gets the prize. So run to win. Everyone say, run to win. God wants us to run to win. This morning... I'm in a series entitled Toolbox for Life, and the second tool, the second skill that God wants us to develop is knowing when to move slow. Everyone say move slow. Move slow. Everyone say go fast. go fast. When do I move slow? When do I go fast? Yeah, I'm going to pray this morning. Uh, we have some empty chairs here this morning. I want us to pray this morning for our city. I want us to pray for our community. I'm going to pray for our city and community. I'm also going to pray for our nation as well this morning, but next to you is an empty seat. And what I want to challenge you today is I want to challenge you to take one of these welcome home cards and invite a person, a, a person in your neighborhood, a person that you work with, a person that God's given you favor with and friendship with, and you know that they don't attend church, you know that they're kind of still on a journey trying to figure this thing out, and you know that coming to City Church and encountering God would be the very best thing for their life. I want to encourage you to take one of these cards, they have them on their way out, and invite a friend. And so what we're going to do today is I want you to think of that one person, that one person that you know that you could invite that needs to know God and experience his freedom. We're going to pray for them this morning. Will you join with me as we pray for your friend? Father, we thank you today for every person that's here. Thank you for the grace and the kindness that we've already experienced by, by showing us, by showing us once again your goodness, by filling us and touching us with your presence and your spirit. God, we are so honored today, so grateful, so thankful God, I remember that day that your love came into my life and forgave me and cleansed me. I, I'll never forget that, God. I, I'm still so thankful today. And I know in this city, God, there are those that desperately need you. God, I pray for every person in this room that has a friend that's outside of faith, that, God, they're going to have an opportunity. I, I come into an agreement, and I pray with that person for that person today. God, I thank you that you said that your desires for your house to be full. You, you're not one that anyone should perish in our community. So, God, I begin to pray today. Begin to pray for our friends and coworkers and our neighbors that are outside of faith. Give them, give us a heart, Lord, to share your love with them today. Now, Father, for our nation, so much hatred, so much confusion, so much, uh, so much brokenness in our world, I begin to pray for the peace of God. Father, your heart is for us to be one people with one voice. God, we are a united nation, and I pray today those, those powers of darkness that are trying to divide us by race, by politics, by all the kinds of things that the enemy has plotted and planned against your people. God, I pray today that you'll bring healing to this land. 
God, the Bible tells us that we're to pray for the peace of our city. We're to pray, God, that you, and we pray today that you'll bring peace to this nation, God. We pray that your grace, God, I pray for local churches in that Charlottesville area, God, that they'll stand strong with one people, people from every background, from every culture, from every generation, from every nation. God, we thank you today, God. We ask you to bless our nation, bring healing to our land in the mighty and the powerful name of Jesus. And everyone said, amen. You may be seated. I've made good decisions in my life, and I've made some bad decisions in my life. John Maxwell says, uh, if you make the wrong decision at the wrong time, you have what? Come on. Wrong decision, wrong time, you have a wrong decision. Uh, You make the wrong decision at the right time, you have what? A wrong decision. But when you make the right decision at the wrong time, you have a what? You have a wrong decision. But when you make the right decision... At the right time, you have a right decision. I know what it is that makes some wrong decisions in my life. As a matter of fact, 27 years ago, just a, just a couple of weeks past, my, my oldest son was born. His name is Austin Eugene Smith. And I was a 27-year-old aspiring to be young, uh, young, soon to be young dad, and my wife was nigh unto birth. She was about ready to pop, and uh, she, uh, Austin wanted to come early, and so Laura had to take time off and work way early, like five months into the pregnancy, and, and she had to go home, and she had to just lay on her left side. And so we were about four months there that we were practicing and training and getting ready for this birth experience, and so we'd go to Le Mans classes. Anybody ever do Le Mans classes before? Okay. Well, back in the day, they did Le Mans classes, and they were trying to teach you how to help your spouse. They were trying to teach you to help your spouse how to, to go through this process, you know, and and so I was there, you know, and you do coaching, you're coaching them, trying to help them breathe. And then they say, you know, and sometimes they might want you to rub their hands or rub their back or their feet. And so they're trying to teach you all these different techniques to help your spouse. Now, my wife's sister had been pregnant just a few months before her, and, and she decided that she was going to do childbirth a la natural. She's going to do it at home, no epidural, no meds. She's going to do it midwife. And, and my wife's sister went through hell. That's, a, that's, the, that's the only way. I mean, it was just brutal. No pain meds. And my wife said, you know what? I guarantee you one thing. I'm going to have an epidural. <laughs> I have a strong aversion to pain. And so, and so, you know, we went to the classes, and she clearly communicated she wanted an epidural. And the morning came, and Laura's water broke, and we beelined towards the hospital. She was all ready to go. We get there, and we wait, right? We wait. Labor starts, two centimeters. And we wait, and... We pace, and I'm trying to, I'm trying to, you know, do all the Le Mans techniques, the rubbing the back, the feet, the breathing, and, uh, you know, okay, rub me here. I start to rub. No, don't rub me. Don't, don't touch me now, you know. <laughs> and then the labor pains hit, and Laura went from two centimeters to ten centimeters in like five minutes. I mean, it was like bam. And I remember, I still remember the scene. The doctor came walking in with a sandwich and a diet coke. And he comes in, and as soon as he sees my wife, and by this time, Lamont's nothing, you know? She's screaming and yelling, and the doctors, he starts barking orders, nurse, get in here, she's going to have this baby now. And Austin just, boom, no epidural, no epidural, no rubbing of the back, no rubbing of the feet. It was, boom, Austin is here. Ah, you know, now that, that, was, that was, for me, a very emotional time. For my wife, I, I can't imagine a woman wanting to have more than one child. 
I just, I mean, just watching that whole experience and the pain and ah, screaming. And so, you know, we, she, Austin comes out, it's the joy of our life. It's the happiest moment, you know. It's, just, it's the most painful moment, one second, and it's the greatest moment of joy the next. And, and so a friend of ours, uh, he and his wife, they came to visit us about an hour later. And, and uh, so, you know, got the hospital room all straightened up. And, and uh, the couple comes in, and the guy comes over, and I start telling him how tired I am. I said, I'm so wore out. My wife, <laughs> we've been married now 30 years. She never let me live that one down. 27 years. You remember that time? I shut up, you know. I'm wore out. She goes, you're wore out. You got to be kidding. I just passed the 10-pound volleyball. Wrong thing to say. Any time was the wrong time. <laughs> Living successfully in life is learning, learning to do things at the right time. Timing is so important. I played golf a couple weeks ago with Pastor Glenn, and the first nine holes I lost five balls. And if you're a golfer, you know losing five balls in the first nine holes is a terrible thing. And I came to uh, the ninth hole. We play, we do a little miniature. We do like a nine-hole thing to cut it short for righteousness sake and so we played uh, nine holes and on the ninth hole my drive I hit a perfect drive Tom I hit a I mean for me for Tommy knows I hit a perfect drive and uh, my second shot I literally I missed the flag by a foot it was a par four and so I was putting for birdie and uh, I had I had shot the ball all over the course for nine holes but that ninth hole I hit the sweet spot I had the sweet spot on my club. I stood just right. I remember everything that my friend Tommy told me heard about swing, and I had it all right and all lined up. And guess what? I can't wait to go back and play golf again. I hit the sweet spot. Succeeding in life, learning to live a life of success. And we talked about it last week. Jesus said, I've come to give you life and to give it to you more abundantly. Now, here's the deal. The, the, the difference between the world's abundance and God's abundance is the world's abundance is about me getting bigger. God's abundance is about me getting better so that I can serve more, so that I can give more, so that I can help more. There's a huge difference. There's a huge difference between me getting bigger, getting more stuff and accumulation and a better. There's way, that's a way different, way different way of living than me getting better so that I can have a greater impact in my world and fulfill the plan that God has for my life. But Jesus came to give you life and he gave it to you more abundantly. Joshua was very clear that God wants to give you good success, but, but you got to learn. You got to learn the skill of how to succeed. When I was in high school, I worked for a framing contractor, and, uh, and the guys that I worked for, the guys that I worked with, the carpenters that I worked with, they did jobs by the piece. So they got paid by how fast they went, not how slow they went. They got paid by how fast they went. They weren't union guys. They weren't dragging a job out, not, not picking on union guys here, but they were, they were to get in and get out. And one of the very first things that they taught me, one of the very first principles that they taught me in construction was that you measure twice, measure twice, and you... Come on, measure twice, and you cut once. Uh, that can save you a lot, a lot of pain, a lot of expense, and a lot of grief. And there are times in your life that God wants you to go fast. Everyone say, go fast. God wants you to run the race. This life is a, a race. We're 
There are things that we are running towards. Now, what Paul says, we are running towards a life of faith, but we are running. But there are times that God says, wait. And learning to discern the difference. Learning to discern, when does God want me to go, uh, go fast, and when does God want me to wait, takes this one thing. Living and step with the Holy Spirit. In Galatians chapter 5, verse 16, Paul tells the church, Paul says, So I tell you, live by following the Spirit. Live by following the Holy Spirit. We worship Jesus today. We exalted Jesus today. The fact is, is that when we lift up the name of Jesus, Jesus said, when, when, I, I am going to live on this planet. I'm going to live here. My time is short. I'm going to go away. But I'm going to give you my spirit, the Holy Spirit, God's Holy Spirit. I'm going to give you my spirit, and he will live and abide and dwell with you forever. And so what happens when you become a Christ follower, when you ask Jesus into your life, when you surrender to him, at that very moment, the Bible says that the Holy Spirit comes and he dwells within us and he makes us new people. He makes us new creations. He gives us a brand new life. Jesus used the term born again. We're born of the Spirit. And Jesus said, my spirit bears witness with your spirit. Jesus said, my sheep, my children will know my voice. And so God's spirit speaks to us. God speaks to us. So if we walk in step with the spirit, if we live by following the spirit, we will not follow, we will not do what our sinful nature desires. And so we have choices to make. Go fast, wait, and go slow. Go fast, go slow. And temptation comes into our world. Temptation comes into our world to cause us to want to bypass the process of what God is doing in our life. Ecclesiastes says there's a right time and a right way to do everything. But we know so little. We know so little. Waiting, 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 going slow. Going fast is a skill that God wants us to develop. The Bible, the Bible is very clear that this race that we went, that we were running, has a sense of urgency to it, a sense of purpose to it. Paul the apostle told the church, "Run hard and fast in the faith. Run hard and fast in the faith. Run to win. Run to get the prize." Paul says, "I run straight to the goal with a purpose in every step." A purpose in every step of your life. You see, there are no detours in your life. How you got to this place, however you got here, whatever roads you took, whatever countries you've lived in, whatever cities you've been part of, whatever family you came from, there were no detours. There were no accidents in God's kingdom. The fact is, is that God created you for purpose. And God has allowed you to be in this moment, in this season. And you might have made some really poor choices in the past. But God is speaking to you today. God, this is what I know about God. The greatest word in the Bible. The greatest word in the Bible is one five-letter word. Grace. Everyone say grace. grace. See, the grace of God, the kindness of God leads us to a life of change. And the God that we serve today doesn't want us to say the same that we are today. We don't have to keep making the same choices that we made in the past. We can make different choices. Choices that will lead to a life of abundance. But in order to do that, we got to know when to go slow and when to go fast. So when should we go fast? When should you go fast in your life? First of all, we should go fast in our life when God tells me to do something. When God tells you to do something. 
The psalmist says, without delay, I hurry to obey your commands. Without delay, I hurry to obey your commands. When my young, my oldest son was a little boy, my wife and I were part of a small group and and at that time, there was some curriculum in the church that we were attending that we were using. It was called Growing Kids God's Way. And, and my wife and I were part of this small group. We actually were some co-leaders in this small group. And, and one of the, the first principles, one of the things that just stood out to me, one of the life principles that stood out to me in this class was teaching my boy, teaching my son first-time obedience. Teaching him first-time obedience. You see, delayed obedience is still disobedience. Delayed obedience is still disobedience. Now, God just doesn't give a command because he's a hard God and a mean God and wants you to jump through a bunch of hoops and try to work to prove that you really love him. That's not what it's about. God gives us a command for our protection. It's always for our good. God gives you a command to do something or not do something because he's, con he's con uh, concerned about your eternal destiny. He's concerned about you living the life that he's created and called you to live. When my son was three years of age, there was a bunch of kids playing out of the street, and I had been working really hard. I had been working really hard at, at teaching him this principle, that when I said no or stop, I meant no or stop, not the third time. Austin, don't. I'm going to count to three. One. Okay, I'm not going to say it again. Two. Okay, I, no, no, I really mean it. Don't do it again. Don't, don't hit me again. And no, it was like, Austin, don't do it. Stop. And I expected, I expected, I built an expectation in him that he would stop. And let me tell you, I had to work at it. He was a stubborn one. My second child was compliant. Whatever he told me, he would just do it. But the first one, he was stubborn. And we had to work with Austin in this area. I had to help him understand that delayed obedience is still disobedience. Because one day he was playing out on the street. And with a bunch of little kids, he's about four years of age, they're playing the cars coming up, uh, you know, coming up over the horizon. And I said, Austin, get out of the road. Now, I, I've, I've watched other kids when their parents tell them to do something, they just look at them like, you got to be kidding me. If they could give them the middle finger, they'd give them the middle finger. I've seen that happen. As a matter of fact, I was driving up Orange Boulevard here, and I, I saw this little kid. I heard, I heard the screaming. I was in my truck. And I heard this woman screaming, and I looked to my right at the crosswalk right up here, and this lady was chasing her child on a little tricycle. And she was going, stop, stop, and she couldn't run fast enough to keep up with this little child on the tricycle. She must have yelled stop 20 times. And you know what that child did? Turned around and just kept on going. That child blew right through this crosswalk right up here. And I remember I was coming up the road, and I was watching that mom, and I thought, you know, she never taught her child first-time obedience. She didn't teach a child. And the fact is, is that God wants us to obey him. When God tells us to do something, he's always doing it for our good. Right. Jesus and Mark's gospel, the Bible, and listen, they're very fascinating. Fifteen times in the gospel of, of Mark, this word immediately. Immediately. Do something immediately. Jesus went here immediately. Jesus uh, laid hands on this person immediately. Jesus told someone to do this immediately. And when Jesus came to his disciples, they weren't his disciples yet. He said, follow me, and I will make you fisher of men. And immediately, everyone said immediately, immediately. they left their nets and they followed him. These guys immediately followed Christ. There was a, another man 
who came to Jesus and said, what must I do to inherit eternal life? And Jesus, good guy, good guy, obeyed all the commands, did all the right things, honored his parents, went to temple, you know, went to church every Sunday. But he had some things in his life that were keeping him from fulfilling God's destiny. He'd had some substitutes that had become idols in his life, things that he were pursuing that were outside of God's plan. And Jesus said, I want you to go sell everything you have and give to the poor. and Come and follow me. And the Bible says the man walked away very sad. He couldn't follow God. He could obey certain rules, but he couldn't follow God. He couldn't obey God's command to leave everything to follow Christ. And we come to Jesus, we're leaving everything. We're leaving our old ways of living, our old mindsets and mentalities. I understand we have culture and family and background, but the fact is when we say yes to God, we're, we're stepping into a great adventure. We don't necessarily know where God's going to take us. But Jesus called them to come and follow him immediately. So what has God told you to do? What has God told you to do that you're still not doing? Is God speaking to you in an area of your life? You say, listen, I want you to go and do this. There's a command that God has asked you to follow. When I lived in Seattle, my pastor preached a sermon on the Ten Commandments. And one day, he, he, one, of the, one of the Ten Commandments is, thou shall not steal. And uh, we had a big tool shed there, and the church was a big family church. And one Sunday, he got up, and he said, I went out to the tool shed the other day, and he said, I realized that over half the tools that I bought this last year from this tool shed have disappeared. You know, the Bible says, thou shall not steal. And if you have any of those tools at your home, you might want to just go, it's a forgiveness week. You might want to just go ahead and bring them back. I was actually there. I remember this. I mean, that week, all kinds of tools mysteriously showed back up in that tool shed at church. I mean, God's, you know, the fact is God does speak to us. God does speak to us about areas of our life that we need to adjust and change. It's 19 years of age. I got a speeding ticket for going very fast. I'm not going to tell you how fast. I don't want you to ever try to go that fast. Let me tell you, I, I, was, it was, I was going very fast. I was driving from Arizona to California with a couple of the buddies, and, and I got pulled over. And the cop was merciful. He gave me a ticket for just going 100. That's all I'll say. He gave me a ticket for just going 100. And uh, I just took the ticket, went on down the road, never thought much about it, and went on down with my life. And three years later, I got good saved. I got good saved. I gave my life to Christ. One day I was doing a Bible study, and I felt God just speaking about taking care of that issue. I said, okay, God, I'll take care of that issue. I'll, I'll deal with that. And, and, uh, and so I actually called the county in which I got a ticket and found how much it was, you know, and if you don't pay your ticket, immediately right you know it goes up double triple and it was it was a fairly large amount I'm like wow and so I said okay God and I got my checkbook out and I wrote the check and I set it on my desk and I called the lady I said listen I said now if I mail this check I'll be okay she said oh yeah you'll be fine as long as we get it before you get pulled over <laughs> yeah you know where the story's gone and so I left that check sitting on the desk I was gonna mail it the next day and uh, that night coming home from work I had been working on my car earlier with a friend of mine, and my tail light, my tail light, my, and my brake light, my blinker light, my brake light got switched. And so a police officer pulled me out for having my tail light and my breaker light switched on my little Mustang. And uh, he goes back, and you know, they ask for your driver's license, goes back and calls it in. And next thing I know, he says, uh, young man, get out of the car. And I said, why is that? He says, you're under arrest. I'm like, what? He goes, there's a warrant out for your arrest for, a, for failure to pay a traffic ticket in some other county. Like, you gotta be kidding me. You gotta be kidding me. Delayed obedience was still disobedience. And what God was teaching me, that when God speaks to me about some area of my life, he wants me to obey quickly. It was, I'll never forget to this, and you'll never forget that story. 
I, I got hauled down to the police station, and, and there I was. I, I worked, I mentioned to you, if you've been around there, I, I worked in a very uh, upscale restaurant. We wore tuxedos every night. And, and so they hauled me down to the jail station. I'd never been in jail before. I go to the jail station. I'm wearing a full tuxedo. Back then, we had a tuxedo with the rufflies on it, my little bow tie. I'm wearing a full tuxedo. And, and the police, Tucson Police Department had just made a run down what was called Miracle Mile. And they were picking up young ladies who worked the world's oldest profession. They were picking them up that night, and they picked up a whole van load of them. And while I'm standing in the jail, they back up, they open the door, and they, back, uh, they, they open up the, the truck door, and they let all these young ladies out. And there I am in this tuxedo. I'm not, I'll leave the rest of the story uh, for your imagination, but I'll just tell you, I'll never forget that moment. When God speaks, go quickly. Uh, so which should I move slow? When should I move slow? When making a major life-altering decision. When making a major life-altering decision. The psalmist declares, wait for the Lord's help. Be strong and brave. And wait for the Lord's help. Waiting on God. We wait on God when we don't have clarity as to what our next step is. We wait on God when we don't have all the facts and the information. Very challenging. Very difficult because we're a people of impulse. We live in a fast-moving, fast-paced culture and society. You hear terms like, you know, uh, uh, go with your gut. Follow your heart. Shoot from the hip. Ready, fire, aim. All these kind of terms that you hear out there. And the problem is when you make decisions without having proper information, you're setting yourself up for a failure. I mean, you can have the right thought and the right idea, but when you don't have right information, many times you make the wrong decision or you make it in the wrong time. I've seen this area three primary ways in people's lives. I've seen it in the area of relationships. I've seen people make decisions too quickly about getting married or getting into a relationship with someone that they really don't know. I've seen people make decisions in the business world, making, uh, de developing partnerships with people that they really didn't know. And maybe that person wasn't even a Christ follower, and they made a decision to get yoked with this individual. It's a, it's a wrong decision. It's a wrong decision. You don't know that person well enough. And a matter of fact, you're violating a command of God by being unequally yoked with a person who's not a Christ follower. I've seen it in the area of, of people in relationships and, and, and want, you know, it's a desire in all of our heart. Every person here wants to get married. Every person here has a desire for relationship and for intimacy. God's created us in that way. In the beginning, God created man and woman, and it was good for them to be together. He said it was a good thing. Intimacy is a good thing. But we get our cart before the horse. We make a decision about being a relationship person based on infatuation, based on the, the goosebumps and the feelings and all those kinds of things that come along with the person that you think you might possibly spend the rest of your life with. If we don't wait for God's timing, we get the cart before the horse. We become intimate and get physical, and we don't do it God's way. Pain. Pain is a great potential in that life. I've seen it so many times in the church. And the last area that I see it often in people's lives is in this area of money. We spend, we get into debt so many. If we were to add up all the credit card debt in this room today, you'd be flabbergasted. Larry, who teaches Financial Peace University, one of the classes that they teach in there is they add up all the debt. They don't know anybody's name, but everybody writes down, they put it on a piece of paper, and they add up all the debt that's in that room. It is a, a staggering number. And in our culture, our culture is built on debt. Our culture is built on immediate gratification. It's what all the marketing, all the commercials are about. Delaying, going for the instantaneous pleasure, waiting for a, a greater benefit down the road. 
so many times. We get ourselves into financial trouble because we're, we want something now. We don't wait. We, we buy it on credit. We don't have cash. We tend to make these kinds of decisions. What we're doing is we're following our heart. We're following our heart. And Jeremiah says, the human heart is the most deceitful of all things and desperately wicked. Who really knows it? Who really knows it? We don't really know our heart. God knows your heart. God knows your heart. It's why we must not just follow emotions. We must follow the precepts and the principles of God's plan for our life. When you begin to study God's word, when you begin to make application in your daily life, it's why you need to be in a small group. I love the financial peace groups. I love all the groups, but the financial peace, there's just such practical tools, biblical tools, and common sense tools to live a life of financial freedom. I love it. I love Celebrate Recovery. Some of you in this room, you've been challenged and struggling with hurts and habits and hangups for a long time, and you get into a small group like in Celebrate Recovery, and you begin to work through your issues and your stuff, and you find freedom. And so you're taking wise steps. You're making a decision not to live in the immediate, but you're, more, you're looking for a long-term benefit. You're looking for long-term blessing. You're looking for long-term favor. Parenting groups and all those kinds of things are to help us take these right kinds of steps in God. My wife and I had met in Bible college in 1986, and and we were friends. I'll just say we were friends. We were good friends. And we did stuff together with groups of other people. But I didn't know that she was, I really didn't know. And she definitely didn't know. And, and uh, one day they had, a, they had a big kind of thing that they did, like a, I don't know, like a banquet for couples and couples that wanted to potentially uh, meet each other. And, and so the school hosted this. And, and so I remember very clearly. I had three people that I was kind of thinking about possibly asking, and, and I felt like God wanted me to ask Laura. And so I, I went, and I, I fasted, and I prayed for three days, three days. It was just to ask her to go on a date. Now, you know, that's crazy. That's stupid. No. What I realized at that stage of my life that I wasn't dating for fun. I was dating for a long-term relationship. I was dating because I believed that God had a person for me to meet. And so I fasted and I prayed for three days. At the end of that three days, it was very clear that I was to ask Laura. And that very first date, the very first time that we went out, I knew that it was going to be wife for life. I knew that she was the magnet, I was the steel, and boom, skyrockets in flight tonight. It literally exploded. <laughs> but I waited. I had, I had been in friendship and relationship with other people, but I really sought the Lord. Because it's not about the length of time. But it's about your willingness to ask and to seek and to wait for God's timing in your life. Become a lifelong student of God's word. See, the, many people feel like they're experts in relationships because they've had lots of them. Now, you might be an expert in relationships, but you're an expert at doing it wrong. And God wants you to learn how to do it right. And that takes time. Become a student of life. Become a student of God's word. Learn what God wants you to do and what God doesn't want you to do. James says, if any of you lack wisdom, ask our generous God and he will give it to you. And he will not rebuke you for asking. You have a major business decision. You have a major decision about a relationship. You have a major decision about an investment opportunity. So many people make mistakes because they don't have all the right facts and the right information. Right thing at the right time. Right execution produces a right result. 
And I've made some mistakes. And I've made some right choices today. And I can tell you it's way better to wait till you hear from God. It's way better to wait. We purchased this campus here a little over two years ago. And for seven years, seven years, I asked God to give us our next location. For seven years, and you might not have known it, you might have been attending the airport campus, but for seven years I knew God had a next step. I actually knew God had a next step the day we bought that property. But for seven years I fasted and prayed and talked and searched and spied out the land. And I can remember the day when God said it's time to go. I remember the day when God was very clear and he didn't just speak to me. He spoke to a whole group of people around me. You see, when, God, when God's timing is at work in your life, he always speaks in stereo. God always speaks in stereo. It isn't just because you had too much pizza or a, a bad burrito the night before. So many people make dumb decisions because they're going by their gut. When God speaks to you today, God speaks to you through his word. God speaks to you when you're in right relationship with other people. God speaks to you through songs. Because when God speaks, he always gives confirmation. The Bible says in the mouth are two or three witnesses. Let every word be established. Let every word. God speaks to us today. God wants us to make right decisions. When should I move fast? When should I run fast? When I feel tempted. 1 Timothy chapter 6, Paul told Timothy, he said, listen, there's all these kinds of things that people are running after. But you, man of God, you, woman of God, you, man of God. I want to just, if you're a Christ follower today and you're a man, I want you to say, I'm a man of God. Come on. I'm a man of God. All right, got a little stronger than that. Come on, one more time. I'm a man of God. All right, all the women. Ready? One, two, three. I'm a woman of God. No, I ain't going to say that again. I ain't no woman. Don't even want to go there. Oh. oh. All right, all the women on three. Come on, give me one, two, three. All right. You, man of God, run from all these evil things. Run from it. Run from evil and pursue righteousness. See, we're either running towards the wrong things, temporary pleasure, momentary, momentary fun, temporary benefits. That's why people steal, take shortcuts, lie. They might get a temporary benefit. Paul says, run from those things that are evil and follow the way of right living. Pursue it. One translation says, pursue, go after, go after God. Run from this, run to this. Temptations. Temptations come in many shapes and forms. We're tempted to all kinds of things. We're tempted to lie. We're tempted to cheat. We're tempted to fudge. We're, 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 we're tempted to let explosive anger come from us. We're, we're, we're tempted to, to be unfaithful in our marriage relationships. We're, we're tempted in the areas of we're tempted in addictions and self-medication, self-medicating, all kinds of temptations. We're all, we all are sinners. We all have a sinful nature. The enemy knows that. The enemy knows your weakness. The enemy knows if your weakness is food. The enemy knows how to tempt you when you walk out of here second service and someone's going to hand you an ice cream sandwich and you're going to have a temptation. Temptation. Just come to church and we'll help. <laughs> Just kidding. There's a great story in the Bible of a man by the name of Joseph. And Joseph was a man who knew how to run. He knew how to run from temptation. He had a great dream. 
He had a great destiny. He had a great calling on his life. You have a great calling on your life. You're a man and woman of God. God's created you for an assignment in this generation. God's created you for an assignment. The world's idea of abundance is that I get bigger. God's idea of abundance is that I get better. Better so that I can serve others. Better so that I can give more. Better so that I can love more. Better so that I can help more. Huge difference. Temptation comes to steal, to rob us from that great dream that God has placed inside of us. That seed of greatness that God has put inside of each one of you today. Joseph was a young man, had a great dream. God gave him a great vision for a preferred future in his life. And temptation came. Temptation came. Joseph didn't always do the right thing at the right time. He shared with his brother the dream. The brothers got, uh, they got uh, uh, jealous. They full of animosity. They, they sold him into slavery. Joseph, being sold into slavery, ended up in the house of a guy by the name of Potiphar. Potiphar was a wealthy man. And Joseph, because he had a great dream, his yes was huge. He knew that no matter where he was, God was still in control of his life. Kept saying yes to God. Kept saying yes to God's assignment. uh, Joseph had command over all of Potiphar's house. Potiphar had a wife whose wife wasn't obviously satisfied in her relationship. and, And so she tempted Joseph. The Bible says that every day that Joseph was there, that she'd tell Joseph, okay, Joseph, come on, baby, come have sex with me. I mean, this woman was bold, desperate housewife. Housewives of L.A., New York, Atlanta, whatever. She's desperate. She says, Joseph, come have sex with me. Every day, Joseph, no, 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 no. Can't do that. You're my master's wife. It's wrong. Shortchange my destiny. Can't do that. No, no, no. One day she tries to pull him in, and the Bible says that when she grabbed him, he literally turned and he bolted out the door the other way. He ran from temptation. He ran from temptation. Satan wants to tempt you today. Whatever the temptation in your life is, whatever it is, he, he wants to tempt you. And God says, listen, run from it. Don't dabble in it. Turn it off. Don't go there. Don't hang out with those people. Don't do that. Run. Run from it. Uh, People have said, show me your five closest friends and I'll show you your destiny. There are some people in your life right now. They're making a lot of poor choices. And if you continue to hang with them, it'll just be a matter of time until you make those poor choices. Well, I don't do that. Let me tell you, you give the devil a crack. You give him a crack and he'll take a mile every time. Cracks in our life always lead to gaps. God says, run from it. Run from temptation. And the last area that I want to talk to you about is this area of when to wait. When to wait. We wait for a seed that we planted to grow. All of life is about seed time and harvest. All of life. A child is born. A child, the egg and the sperm, they come together. And it takes nine months for full development. It takes nine months. A seed is planted into the ground. And my, uh, one of the brothers, I, I was watching Pastor Glenn preach a couple of weeks, a couple of years ago probably now, and, and he interviewed Dave Stewart. Dave Stewart is our men's director here at City Church, and he's trying to get all the men to buy uh, uh, tickets for a men's stakeout next week. And Dave talked about his garden and home gardener brother. And 
So he's got this great home garden. He's got all kinds of tips on Facebook. And, and so I said, I'd like to try to plant something. So I've never, you know, my, my thumb has been a brown thumb. Everything we've had in our home always dies, and so I've never been a great gardener. But we moved uh, not about a year ago right down the street here, and I got a small little patio. I don't have any yard to take care of. I've got a little tiny patio. And one of the brothers brought me over a limequat tree. This is a limequat. I'd never grown anything before, and so I YouTubed it. And a, a limequat's kind of interesting because it's a cross between a kumquat and a lime. Skin is very thin. You could actually eat it. You wouldn't want to eat the skin. It's very sour and very tart. But what's unusual about these limequats is they produce a tremendous amount of juice. I mean, three of these babies in a little 16-ounce cup, and it'll fill. I mean, it's got a lot, a lot of juice. They're, they're very juicy. And the, the flavor is very, very strong. And so when I got this limequat tree, there was nothing on it. I begin to think about, you know, in just a little while, they're, they're telling me it's a limequat tree. They're telling me it's got a little picture, but it's not until that first fruit comes out that I know that it's actually a limequat tree. See, at some point, someone put a seed in this little pot, and it began to grow. It began to grow. It takes probably two to three years before it actually produces its first crop. Now, if I had planted that little seed, see, I, I don't want to wait that long for a seed to pop up, and so I had to get a tree that was already ready to start to produce. That's the way I like to work, and, <laughs> and so do all of you, right? You're going to go plant tomatoes. You go down, and you buy the tomato plant at Walmart, and then you get a, fresh, get a jump on it, right? But somebody else planted that seed, and one of the things that I know is that once this came out, I knew for sure there was a limequat seed planted in the ground, and a limequat was produced. Because we reap in kind to what have sown. If we sow a seed of love, we'll receive love. If we sow a seed of hatred, which we saw this weekend in Charlottesville, then you're going to eat the fruit of hatred. You sow a seed, you reap a reward. Don't be deceived. God is not mocked. Whatsoever man sows, that shall he also reap. And so we sow in kind and we reap in kind. But there was only one seed that was planted in the ground. If you go to my house right now and you look at that limequat tree, I've already been handing out limequats to all the neighbors. I can't eat, an, I can't eat, I can't, we can't drink all the lime juice that this thing is manufacturing. This one seed produced a lot of seeds because we reap more than what we sow. And then the last thing that I've learned is that I've gone through a full year now with this, full year with this plant. And there are seasons when there are, I go out to that tree and there's nothing on it because there's a, there's a season of timing. I have to wait. I have to wait for the right time for the fruit to be produced. And it's just like your life, just like your life. You want financial freedom. Or you, whatever the area of your life is, you sow a seed. You want to see immediate results. But the fact is there are many times that God is saying, wait. The Bible says, be patient, therefore, my brethren, until the coming of Christ, learning to develop, develop patience, learning to say no to the flesh and yes to God, waiting for your harvest. Some of you have been praying for a child. You raised, you planted the seed and brought them to church when they were young and they made decisions as they've gotten older not to follow Christ and you're waiting for the harvest of that seed. You've been praying for them to come back to the Lord. I say don't quit. Keep praying. Keep, keep praying. Keep trusting. Keep believing that the God of the harvest is going to give you your harvest. Anything worthwhile in your life requires time, tears, and generally a lot of sacrifice. The prophet Habakkuk said, God says, at the time I've decided my words will come true. You can trust what I say about the future. 
It may take a long time, but keep on waiting. It will happen. There's a seed that you planted in your life. There's a seed. And there's a, there's a time of harvest. Some of you are waiting for your harvest. Keep on keeping on. Don't quit. Keep running after God. Keep pursuing the way of righteousness. And finally, we run fast when God offers us salvation. When God offers us wholeness. God is ready to help you right now. Right in this moment. Today is the day of your salvation. Today is the day of your victory. Today is the day of your freedom. See, for some things in your life, you got to run fast. For other areas of your life, you got to go slow. He says, so what? Well, how do I know when? How do I know when to go fast and when to go slow? Listen, is there a command that God is asking you to obey? Is there a command that God is asking you to obey? Go fast. Some of you have accepted Christ, but you've never taken the next step of water baptism. It's not an option. God wants you to go, repent and be saved and be baptized. You've never been water baptized and God's been speaking to you about it. Your next step today is to be baptized. Say yes to God. Some of you, God's been speaking to you about reconciling a relationship. Jesus said we're to forgive those who do wrong to us. We're to bless those who curse us. And there is someone in your world and they've, been, they've done wrong to you. God's been speaking. He's been commanded. He's given you the command to forgive, to forgive and to bless. God wants you to go and do that. Today, there's, there's a command. God's speaking to you about an area of your life. You're waiting. You're waiting. You don't know which way to go. You don't know if this relationship is right. You don't know if this business decision is right. I'd say wait. Wait till you get clarity from God. Wait till you get an agreement from God. Wait till you get the confirmation that God brings into your life. And is there a call for you to follow? Is there a call for you to follow? Is there a destiny to God, a ministry, an area of pursuit, sharing your faith, praying for your neighbor, inviting someone to church? Is there a call for you to follow? Go fast. I want you to close your eyes. Our worship team is going to come, and this morning God's been speaking to you. Man, you're trying to decide. Maybe some of you are running so fast that you haven't taken time to slow down to really listen to God. And you find yourself, there's some decisions that you need to make, and God wants you to slow down. And let me tell you, you can Google it all day long. You can Google it all day long. But there's a, there's a greater thing than Google. It's called the voice of God. There's the voice of God, and he wants to speak to you. And in order for you to hear from God today, you got to hear his voice. you got to spend time reading his word. you got to slow down long enough to know that God is speaking to you. Some of you here today, you're stuck. You are stuck. Man, you've been, you've been trying to avoid evil. But it seems like everywhere you turn, it's there. And you find yourself running towards it, not from it. God wants you to run fast today. God wants you to run towards him. God wants you to, God, God wants you to be free today. And you're here today. And you know, you know that you need freedom. You know that you need God's grace. You know that you need his help today. You're here today and God's been speaking to you about acts of service, about fulfilling the call and taking your next step with him today. God doesn't want you to wait. God wants you to get into that small group. God wants you to go to growth track. Those are all next steps that we take in God when we're saying yes to his call upon his life. You're here this morning. Our altar workers are going to come in just a moment. 
I want you to stand with me. I'm going to dismiss the service in just a few moments, but God's been speaking to your heart today. Normally we pray in the middle of the worship experience, but today I felt like God wanted us to pray at the end of the service. Some of you need to respond to God today. Some of you need to respond to God. The Bible says that we are to pray for one another. The Bible says that we need to, we're to pray for one another and we'll find wholeness and healing and salvation. Paul the Apostle says, don't be anxious about anything, but by prayer and supplication, let your requests be made known to God and the God of peace will answer. The God of peace will answer your prayer. God wants, it. God wants you today to come to Him. God wants you today to take your next step and come to Him. And some of you, man, you, you just need some agreement today. You need someone to pray with you today. That's why we have altar workers. That's why our altar ministry is here today. I like to have our altar workers begin to come at this time. You say, just close your eyes real quick. But you're here today say, Pastor, I need prayer today. I need to take this next step in God. I need clarity. I need wisdom. I, I, need, to know, I need to know today the wisdom to go forward. I, I need help today to slow down. I need strength in running fast towards Him. If that's you this morning, on the count of three, we just raise your hand. One, two, three. Come on, right now. Raise your hand in this room. Amen. Put your hands down. You're here this morning. I want to invite you to come. I just want you to, I want you to find someone this morning. Altars are open. These people will, these prayer partners would love to pray with you. That God would give you wisdom in your next step. Worship team is going to begin to lead at this time and I encourage you to take your next step in God today.